and brought to you by the good folks over at Thorium Wealth. Check them out online, thoriumwealth.com for more information, full disclosures, T-H-O-R-I-U-M, wealth.com. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CatsCorner.com, coming to you live from the Palatial Franklin States in the west end of Richmond, where it is Thursday, January the 2nd of 2020. Um, we will not be making any 2020 vision jokes uh, on this on this pod, although I, I can never account for Ferber. Who knows what he'll say. Um, we are back from Miami Gardens slash Fort Lauderdale slash Miami slash Charlotte or wherever it was that um, different connections took you. I ran like a mile for a plane that ended up being delayed, so that was fun. Um, and then I started choking and nearly died. Um, it was a it was a whole the whole day was just a complete cluster. But uh, nonetheless, uh, I am back. Uh, everybody else is back. Hopefully, if you if you went to to the game in. Uh, in Florida, you made it back home. Uh, Cavaliers obviously came back with a loss, but I think with a lot of respect, and that's something we're going to discuss here in a few, um, it seemed to be the general consensus coming out of it, uh, not only among Virginia fans, but among those on the outside of the program as well, that the, the Hoos did a good job of you know just kind of staying in the fight and really put a lot of it out on the field. And I know from talking to folks who watched the game on TV that uh, the announcers weren't very kind to UVA in some spots, and but it certainly seems like outside – perceptions of Virginia's program improved even if the Cavaliers didn't come home um, with a 10th win and the uh, Orange Bowl trophy full of oranges anyway we are going to talk about all of that and uh, put a bow on the 2019 football season before we transition over to basketball where the where the you know there's obviously a big game coming Saturday with uh, Virginia Tech coming to town so we'll preview that one before we get started let's go around and introduce everybody first up in Fishersville David Spence is on the show how are you my friend I'm doing good Brad it's going to be a good year. I can feel it. Um, I'm right where I watch the Orange Bowl, so full circle for me, I guess. Um, <laughs> who days on the board? At who days on Twitter? When uh, when Dave answered a few minutes ago, I, I said, "Man, it's been a long time since I talked to you." Even though we had a show last week, it's been what since the 18th, um, which yeah. we don't typically go that long without uh, a pod. So it's it's good to it's good to reconvene. Maybe we'll get in some <laughs> get into some good topics. All right. Up in uh, Resson, staff writer Justin Ferber, the aforementioned uh, wild card of the bunch, also on the program. How are you, my friend? I'm good. Uh, unlike Dave, I've talked to you much more recently, so a little <laughs> envious. Um, wow, at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. Harsh. Happy New Year, everyone. Harsh. Cavs Corner, <laughs> also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner, great place for the in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. Uh, Ferber took me to this place uh, at the beach for lunch that was super I didn't expensive. take you anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to go he wanted to go down there and me being the fickle eater I am I was like hey let's go to this place it was the, it was expensive but those are the best crab cakes I've ever eaten in my life so thank you for that for yeah me. it wasn't bad it was good it was good all right um so Virginia goes down to, to Florida I, look we I think everybody sort of expected the outcome to be what it was the margin and and the how uh, were always going to be um, the question marks in this one and quite frankly I was really impressed with Virginia's offense to be able to, to to move the ball as well as they did against that defense, which I think we can all agree Clemson's offense demonstrably better than Florida's offense, but Clemson's defense not quite as good as Florida's defense. And I was really impressed with what Virginia was able to do. Dave, watching from afar, how how did what were your sort of takeaways from from the game overall and what kind of still stands out to you now several days later? Well let's talk pre yeah, the whole situation, right? Like you know, it, obviously it's a big game and watching at home, like the production value is just so much better than your average game. Um, the coolest thing to me, and I don't know if you guys got a chance to see it on the monitors or whatever, but them walking down the tunnel with our players, like, you know, I had that big yeah. game feel. That was awesome. Like to me, 
that was my favorite pregame moment. The announcers, I won't even get into it. Like, I mean, there was just short of laughing about our chances essentially before the game. Um, but overall, like the atmosphere, everything, it just felt like a big game and seeing Virginia there, considering where we were just two years ago, like freezing my butt off in Annapolis, like that's a big change. And like, I, I just kind of took that all in. And then what, 40 seconds later, it kind of got zapped away from me. Um, as Florida scored quickly. And at that point, I'm like, man, we've given up 69 points in like the last 60 minutes and 40 something seconds. <laughs> that's not great. Um, but I mean, the, the team responded well, they, they showed fight the entire game. Um, I mean, it was a big moment, and I don't think you could have, you know, if, if if the result had been more lopsided, I don't think you could have held it against the team given the injuries going into the game, um, the quality of the opponent, the location, and you know, just the just the size of the atmosphere, you know, just the um, the the size of the moment um, for a team that hasn't been there. So, but so the fact that they were able to come back from that quick score by Florida and make it a competitive game throughout was a testament not only to, you know, the coaching staff and what they've taught them over the last four years, but um, the players themselves, which I'm sure we'll get into more. They talked a lot in the time between the ACC championship game and the orange bowl, right? About that. They had to learn the lesson of the first of the former in order to, to not repeat it in the latter. And I think that you can specifically point to that game uh, as not necessarily the reason why they were able to sort of continue to keep you know keep plugging even when it didn't look you know like they were going to win, but I, I think that Clemson game did teach them something. I, I think you saw in those moments that um, you know we, we've talked in the past right about how Virginia it took a while for guys to sort of get the losing out of their systems that they could have confidence that they would be able to come back. And this team this year has done a pretty good job of you know I mean think about just the Tech game right of being able to sort of. Um, take the demons of the past or take the mistakes that you've made and sort of put them away for Virginia to have, you know, to be on the stage and then to get punched in the mouth like they, they were that quickly. And then to, to sort of keep grinding, I thought was, was especially impressive. Um, Perkins goes 28 of 40 for three 23 and four touchdowns. Um, he threw two to um, Hasis Dubois who had 10 catches for 83 yards. Terrell Jana had a team high 126 on seven receptions. Joe Reed, uh, also had seven receptions for 52 yards. Both of them had a touchdown. Um, I mean, the numbers in and of themselves offensively for Virginia against that defense, I think, Ferber, you correct me if I'm wrong here, but the only other team to do what Virginia did to, to that defense is LSU, and I don't know if anybody knows this or not, but they're playing for the national championship. In a, yeah. in, a in terms of points, right? for sure, yeah. So, I mean, and, I think, and UVA had the most like passing success than, it, than any team had, right. including LSU. Now, Florida did have its way on the ground. Um, um, they ran for yes, they did. <laughs> <laughs> they, they ran for like two hundred and fifty yeah, yards, two hundred and forty-four yards to be precise. They threw for three hundred five. Um, but Dan Mullen said after the game that Virginia was the first team that really took away their pass, and um, so they kept running the ball more out of necessity than anything else, and it, and it was working. And, and credit to them for for really kind of figuring out, um, you know, what would work against a defense that, as we all understand, right, um, clearly shorthanded given the um, the injuries that they'd already suffered, plus losing Jordan Mack. For as you left uh, South Florida and headed back for, for D.C., what, what resonated for you about this game and, and sort of about where the program is coming out of that? Yeah, I mean, obviously 
Bryce Perkins kind of said it after the game. Moral victories aren't something that the, these players or coaches are, you know, super interested in. But I think at the end of the day, you got to feel pretty good about, you know, how they played and and you know how they kind of like looked on the big stage in a big bowl game against a, a good team, a top ten team, a, a power like one of the biggest programs in the sport too, not just you know number nine Arizona or something. Uh, and, you know, it, it, the, Dave's right. It did have that big game feel, and, and it was a road game. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Uh, and, and they played fine. I mean, there there were the mistakes that they made throughout the game or the areas where maybe they got exposed a little bit were, to me, a function of a talent gap more than being out-schemed or, or unprepared or unmotivated or anything like that. So you can't just wish to have the same amount of talent as Florida because almost nobody in college football will. Uh, so I think that, I mean, if you look at it like that, Florida kind of, I felt I felt like they kind of controlled the game. I, I didn't, I never really thought UVA was going to win the game. Um, you know, even in the second half, they cut it to six. I guess that was probably the closest they came, but... If you look at, like, you know, they won the second half 14 to 12. Um, I thought that, I mean, we even talked about it a little bit at halftime. I thought they were going to get potentially run off the field in the second half, um, but more of a function of fatigue. And if, if you can't put drives together and Florida can put two scoring drives together in a row, all of a sudden it goes from 24 14 to, you know, 38 14, and, and it's not a competitive game anymore. But they were able to kind of get it to go the opposite way. And, they deserve a lot of credit for that. Um, there, there were a few big moments that I think went against them, and uh, and and definitely killed any chances they had to win. Um, one being the Trask fumble that wasn't called in the first half when it was tied. Another one being the pick in the fourth quarter when they were down twelve in the red zone. Um, and those plays, you know, if you look back, man, you flip those two plays, maybe it's a little different. I don't know, um, but. At the end of the day, I thought that they, they showed that they belonged. I mean, we, you know, my thought process was if they got blown out, we would see a ton of tweets about, like, UVA didn't really deserve to be in this game, and it was more product of a weird bold conference tie-in, which is true. Um, but, I mean, like, in that, you know, kind of like devaluing their season in a sense. But I, at the end of the day, I mean, I had a lot – I got a lot of text messages and, and messages on Twitter from people that aren't even UVA fans, including some Florida fans that I know that were kind of like, I was pretty impressed with UVA, or I thought that they played really well. So at the end of the day, I think that they kind of made a statement and 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 closed the season. I don't want to say on a high because they didn't win the game, but right, you know, they didn't they didn't like undo. I didn't feel like they really with these two losses in the postseason. Un, I don't think they undid what they did in the regular season. I think that's a good that's a good way to frame it because I I don't think so either. I think that. You can look at the Clemson game and look at the Florida game, and you can see growth. You can see you can. It's almost like you can understand, especially in the Florida game, right? You can understand why, you know, why it went the way it did. You know, we we're gonna have a conversation, maybe a little bit on this pod, but it's certainly down the road about Virginia's running game, and you know their inability to create anything you know significant or consistent on the ground. You know, they went for fifty-two yards in this game. Um, they, you know, the big difference here, right? So, so Florida has averages seven and a half yards per play. Virginia's at six. Uh, Florida had twelve point seven yards per completion. Virginia's at eleven and a half. But Florida had seven point two yards per rush. Virginia had two and a half. Like, I mean, that's an order of magnitude difference. You know what I mean? And that run, the lack of running game was was probably the thing that I came away thinking. You know, granted, you're going to lose Bryce Perkins, and there's a whole lot that goes with that, especially because you're going to lose Haas and you're going to lose Joe Reed. Um, 
but they got to figure out some way to create something you know consistent on the ground. But I, I'm like you. I, I came away thinking that that what they did in the Orange Bowl, if nothing else, it sort of I don't want to say it made the 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 champion the ACC championship game more of a anomaly, but it certainly it certainly indicated that Virginia earned its it, this place and this kind of opportunity. And even if the Cavaliers didn't come home with a win, you know, there's a lot to be said for you know what it could do for them in terms of growth. And certainly, um, I, I don't think they got out scheme. I think it was one of you know. Robert and I has had a really nice, you know, last what half of the season or so since the Louisville game on. Um, they've they've just really done a really nice job offensively. Um, and even in a game like this, where you knew Perkins wasn't going to be able to create much on the ground, you kind of that was sort of made plain early. They were still able to get you know get downfield. I mean, and heck, he had a you know 165 you know point eight quarterback rating. I mean, that's pretty solid stuff um, for a guy who is not a you know and not a dude who sits in the pocket. Uh, I thought Virginia's offensive line did a nice job overall. What they get, you know, I think Florida had three sacks, you know, for a team that that was what number one in, or excuse me, Virginia was sixth with forty five, and Florida was fifth with forty six. Is that right? Am, am I remembering the numbers there for right? I mean, but basically, Florida's defense pretty good, at, right. pretty good at getting after the quarterback, and Virginia did a nice job. So overall, I think you come away from it thinking Virginia was, you know, clearly had did some really nice things and. A couple plays here, there, yeah. You know, you, you you don't know for sure Virginia wins the game, but you know that they're in, they're much more in the hunt, and you know that's about all you can ask for. Dave, I, I think you were getting ready to, yeah, f- to. Yeah, I mean, for for me, like, look, the, it's still a loss. It didn't feel good. I mean, I do. I would have liked to see what happened if Virginia had scored, before, you know, on the injury thing popped up, and then the next play was a pick. Like, if Virginia scores there, and Florida has to has to take some snaps with a, some time on the clock, they need to bleed with the lead. You know, do they are they as confident to run the ball? Because that's not who they are. Um, that would have been interesting to see. But all that aside, if you just think about what Virginia was able to put on the field defensively, and to look, they gave up yards, no doubt. Um, you know, and Florida moved the ball pretty much the entire game. But Virginia did a decent enough job keeping keeping themselves in the game defensively without being able to run any sub packages, which you know, maybe there was a few snaps in the game where they went nickel, but for the most part, they stayed in their base three, four with, with Noah Taylor playing like that Isaiah Simmons role for, for Clemson. Like he, you know, he played DB. He rushed from the, from a deep linebacker spot out. You know, he did his versus. I mean, he was, was dropping, he was dropping like 30 yards be deep into coverage on some of these. I mean, from where we were sitting in the press box, we can see like the whole yeah. field. He was probably dropping off of the screen on TV because we were yeah, watching, to, and we were like, "Whoa!" Like he's crazy. crazy. It's crazy. And to think about like that was their scheme to get around not having two of their captains. Um, you know, with Bryce Hall obviously out and and Mac out, um, which left you with you know, your inside linebackers and Nick Jackson, who at times looked lost, but you know had effort out there. And then Zane, who you know Zane's kind of the hammer of the inside linebacker core. He's not the coverage guy. So not only do you lose, you know, you're out so many dbs you're out your best coverage linebacker and your um, and your and your best backup inside guy too yeah best you didn't have, second best coverage inside guy you know you didn't have robert Mac snyder and you don't have snyder either yeah so to me and then taylor got hurt in the game so he looked like we might lose him too but um <sighs> he got dinged yeah, let's just it, say it's like crazy that. <laughs> yeah yeah it's crazy how how resilient that defense is and um and like most of the guys everybody on that field essentially except eli will be back next year um so yeah, yeah that guy's just, give you confidence going forward. I get if there's like a downside to this, and and there's nothing you can do about it. But 
I did have some thoughts during the game of like, man, I wish I could just see what they could do with this with everybody yeah. healthy. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I don't know. I still don't. I don't think it would have been enough against Clemson. No. Um, but in this game, I feel like maybe it's more of a 24-21 sort of game. Like, where UVA probably doesn't score as many points, but, like, the game is played differently. Like, there's – because Florida had too many chunk plays yeah. for UVA to keep up. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I Man, I would love to see. I do think when, when 2020 uh, – the 2020 season starts, we'll be happy that those guys got so much playing time in the last couple yeah. of weeks. Um I mean, it doesn't offense, really matter now, does it? You know? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of over now, right? Um, offensively, you know, obviously we'd never had much of a running game all year, as Brad's talking about. Um, but the fact that Bryce had had developed so much over the two years to a spot where he could pretty much play a Kurt Benkert like role and just pass the ball around and was he missed a few. He missed one to Dubois. He missed one to Jana. But I mean, think about where that guy was when he came in, a, you know, two years ago. Uh, his progression as a passer. You know, the last few weeks it's been his legs leading up to even against Clemson. You know, his legs were were there a little bit, but I mean, Florida shut him down like no one has since that brace came off, um, and he's still able to still able to pass the ball around. And then you know, not just that, the development of the wide receivers. Um, Dubois had one of the you know best years of a wide receiver you'll ever see, and you know, Joe Reed's kind of been what he is. And Jana came on late, which again gives you optimism for next year. So. Just thinking the team we had on the field, if you'd have told us like that team would be on the field in the Orange Bowl, you would have expected a, a blowout, and we didn't see one. I feel like, <clears throat> to to Ferber's point about, you know, kind of wondering what they would be like, for, if Virginia comes in this game anywhere, like, I don't even need, I'm not even saying give him back Bryce Hall, just give him back Brenton Nelson, right? Um, in hindsight, Maybe that that injury ended up being the one that really changed things for the secondary. As much as losing Bryce hurt, I think losing Bryce on losing Brenton on type of, on top of losing Bryce hurt the most. And then I think Snyder when when he went out, losing Mac on top of that, right? So it's like those two things combined. But for Virginia to be able to do with the Florida defensively what they did, and again I understand the Florida rolled up 549 yards of total offense. I'm not, you know, I'm not debating that it was still a you know a pretty dominant performance by their offense considering though that Virginia where Virginia was in terms of personnel I don't think it's a stretch at all to say that if you if you put a couple pieces back um you know on the on the board that this is going to be a different game um I just think that for me and this might be a good time to kind of transition to some overall 2019 thoughts that the indelible memory I I will have of, of this season aside from you know beating Tech and going to the um ACC championship game and everything is is Bryce Perkins just doing exactly what we thought he would do just a little bit later than we thought he was going to do it, you know, because he, he injured the knee. He was not right early in the season, and um, hopefully time will be kind to us and anyone else, you know, whether it was folks like us on a podcast or maybe message board posters or whatever, you know, kind of openly wondering out loud, like, hey, if he's not going to be himself, should Virginia make a change or whatever? And, I mean, he answered that question so emphatically. Um, he, the way he turned it on the latter part of the season – um, to 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 best Sean Moore's total offense record in two years is ridiculous. And I understand the game is different now. I understand the rules are different now. I understand how many games he played. I don't care. Like for him to do that um, is it's just phenomenal. Um, and there, I I, I don't want to get into the you know best of all time debate because that's a that's an off season you know podcast when there's no games to cover and such, but. 
it's going to take a lot for me to to I don't know if it's recency bias or what. It's going to take a lot for me as time goes on to not really appreciate what Bryce Perkins did for Virginia football, not just on the field and in terms of, you know, stats and numbers and how many yards he did this and how many touchdowns he did that, but just the overall sort of contribution. I mean, does anybody is anybody under any delusion that Virginia football is where the Cavaliers are right now without Bryce Perkins? I mean, it is unconscionable to think that they would be anywhere close. And that's no shade to anybody else, right? No no shade to anybody on the roster currently at quarterback, no but no shade to anybody else they could have gotten. Um, he was the perfect person for the for the right situation at the right time. Um, and th- is, as good as, as, as Virginia Sports was in 2019, which we'll talk about in a second, Bryce Perkins, the, the two years he had um, were, just, were just phenomenal. And I'm, I'm going to miss covering that kid because, you know what, you, you, never, <laughs> you never really knew what it was going to be, but you knew it was going to be exciting. And that, uh, as a guy who, whose livelihood depends on good stories and, and, and good conversation or whatever, um, can't ask for much more. Um, before we get into sort of looking forward, I, I want to ask you guys the same question, what, you know, what your kind of long-lasting memory of this season will be. Um, Dave, I'm going to guess it has something really to focus on that tech game, but um, overall, what's your, your general sense as we say goodbye to Virginia football in 2019? I mean, it, it, God, I mean, it was such a good year, right? Um, 2019, the 2019 season in general has been one I've been looking forward to for quite a while. Um, many, many years ago when the Notre Dame got announced, the Notre, game at Notre Dame, like, you guys can remember, like, I've been talking about that game for five or six years. Sadly, it didn't meet my expectation. But, yeah, I've been looking forward to going to it. So it's just weird that that year also happened to be, like, the best modern, you know. To me, like, I'm – like, 90 was special. 95 was special. 2007 was special, but it felt fluky. Yeah. Um, this one just, like, the progression, you know, two wins, six wins, eight wins, nine wins, and playing for the Coastal. Um, I mean, the – It'll be a year I never forget. You know, even even if you took the basketball success of 2019 out, like 2019 football season, hopefully would be one. Maybe we won't talk about forever because it'll continue to be that way, and it'll just be the first one. Um, but it'll be one that'll be a part of the conversation for a long time. And like just the the amount of injuries the team overcame. Um, and even, you know, go back to the ODU game when they were down, what, 17 nothing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then tell me, just so back many to that kids moment and tell too, me they're going like, to be in the Orange Bowl, bud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Try I, that. Honestly, we were laughing about that uh, leading up to the thing because the Orange Bowl actually brought their RV to one of the games. And we we're trying to remember which one it was. But they were parked, like, along the stadium road. Yeah. And they I remember have, us like, walking so by, like, hey, we're going to the Orange people, Bowl. Yeah, yeah, their dignitary people will always be, like, in the press box and stuff during – during the season, not I not think, always just the Orange Bowl, but like random, you know, military it, bowl, whatever. It had to be like the Duke game or something they were there for. I mean, it was later in the year. So, I mean, they were there. I, I remember kind of walking walking past it on the way to the stadium being like, oh, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Um, and, and we did it. Uh, and they just, you know, I think what's cool about this team wasn't just the success. Is there's so many likable personalities on it. Um, you know, Bryce is such a likable guy. Jordan, Bryce Hall. Um, Eli Handback, you know, um, just so many got Dubois, Joe Reed, you know, just so many likable guys that stuck, you know, so many of them were here when we were two and 10 and stuck around. Um, 
So it, it's just, it was a great group of guys. You know, the guys who were there for the beginning were there for it, um, for the success here. And I do think they built a really good foundation for the program. Um, and as far as Bryce's, Bryce Perkins' career, like, I think it'll take a while for us to kind of digest what he did. But if you just think about the programs he beat and played well in two years of, of D1 ball, um, you know, he beat Miami once. He almost beat, you know, last year he, got us to overtime at tech and you beat them this year had us leading notre dame beat florida state um beat carolina twice right um yep beat duke twice like he did what he's supposed to do you know he's aaron brooks to me has always been kind of underrated as a uva quarterback because of how good he did against virginia tech but bryce perkins like he did it again in the big moments he always stepped up um so I mean, it's good. It's sad for the season to go because I love football. And now I'm kind of look. I, I like basketball, but to me, football is the sport. Um, so it's going to be sad. I'm looking forward to spring practice, but like I, I've got a bunch of ga- games saved on my DVR, including the Orange Bowl, and I'll go back and watch them all because it, it's just after what we have been through the last decade. Like to have a season like that was special. Yeah, it's kind of nice, you know, as somebody who <clears throat> who owns a site or whatever, just to see fans just genuinely, ex- you know, kind of lamenting the end of the thing right like and I'm, that's not to say that that wasn't you know somewhat the um the feeling at times last year right like after the belk bowl but it was just a little bit different right um you know you just get the sense that um that there there's a lot of i don't know if it's the tech win specifically or the fight that they showed against florida you know whatever but kind of like a totality of circumstances right like you just get the sense that a lot of people feel the way day feels now they might not you know <laughs> they might not have every game saved on the dvr and they're gonna fire it up on a random tuesday um but i do think there are a lot of fans out there who are, who are going to be bummed that football's not there and to before i turn it over to you Ferber, and get your sort of indelible sort of memory or whatever of, of bryce and 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 what or if you decide not to go with bryce whatever my guess is you will but you know spoiler alert but no, I was going to say, like, I mentioned this on Twitter the other day. The idea that, like, Virginia was a defense first team, right? A, t- a team that used its, def- that its defense, won them games. And then, like, overnight, they became a team where its offense carried them exactly when they had to have it. And, you know, it, there's always the, you know, the contrarian in the group who will say, well, why, you know, where was the offense the first part? Um, now, I'm not saying that's not a fair question. I'm just saying, you know, that's kind of beside the point here. But, like, how often have we ever seen – let's just focus on Virginia, right? Like, how many times has that happened? And I can't remember one, at least not, where the, not when it was like that emphatically, right? There might have been some ebbs and flows during the season, right? But for this team to go from being who they were and then who they became when they had to become that, I think it's remarkable. Um, and that's something, too, that um, I think really, really sets this group apart and I think leaves a um, sort of a lasting impression on people. All right, Ferber, finish us up on, on the football side. Yeah, I mean, you kind of hit on what I was going to say a little bit. I think, you know, Bryce Perkins will probably be the thing that I remember the most about these two teams, you know, and, and uh, you know, they'll be the Bryce Perkins teams, and hopefully they'll be good teams to follow, right? Um, and they're not an outlier. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think that one of the big takeaways is that – you know, during the season, we've been doing this show however many years. We we usually do, you know, we do it for basketball too. We'll point out things that aren't working, things that are working, things that need to be corrected if they're going to beat this team or whatever. 
Um, and this year we, I mean, obviously they, they lost their last two games, but you know, we did see those things get corrected. Um, which gives me a lot of faith in the buy-in of the players and also the coaches. I mean, I wrote like a 3000 word thing about how mediocre pedestrian bad the offense had been through the Louisville game, which, I mean, we can talk about the ODU game at wondering if they were going to make the orange bowl. I think the Louisville game was like definitely the low point of the season. Um, Cause I mean the, the Miami loss is disappointing. The Louisville one was like, uh, it was like a, you know, it almost backed up what we had seen in that game. Like, it was another bad offensive game. Um, so I think that, you know, after that game, they whatever they did, it worked because, I mean, they came out and beat North Carolina, scored a bunch of points. I think they scored – I forget who tweeted it, um, but I think they scored like 35 a game in their last six, um, which is pretty impressive. I mean, after all the struggles the offense had in the first half of the season – and I know in some of those games, they still put up a decent amount of points, like Florida State, for example. I think they scored 31. Um, they ended up scoring the most points that this you know program has ever scored in a season. I don't know if it's that way on a points-per-game basis, but I know they're well over 30. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that they definitely improved the things that they would see that they were not doing well, and, and that gives me some hope for the future, as well as the fact that year after year now, we saw it last year. We're seeing it again this year. Players, young players that have eligibility remaining are emerging during the season. And it's not like you have to rely on this. Like, uh, for example, Alameda Zacchaeus kind of emerged early in his career. And you just realize, like, okay, this is how much time we have left with this player. Whereas, like, now I feel like guys that maybe didn't get the chances earlier in their career are, are getting their chances. And they're actually showing that the coaching staff is developing them, right? Not just the starters. Guys like Noah Taylor, I mean, who was considered a borderline starter coming into the season along with Matt Gam. Um, he looks like he's going to be a star in this defense. Um, we saw with Charles Snowden the year before. Um, other guy, Terrell Janna, his, his you know, coming you know coming of age, I guess you could say, in the second half of the season. The offensive lines turnaround. I think that... You're seeing that the players uh, that you're going to be counting on next year are starting to develop, and you're seeing that every year now, which I think is a really good sign for the program going forward. One one thing I want to <clears throat> mention before we before we wrap up football and move on to hoops, um, <coughs> excuse me, Hasis Dubois, as good as Bryce Perkins was, I don't want to I, I don't want to not mention Haas because. Dave mentioned I think it was a little while ago that 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 he had one of the best seasons. I, I don't think I've ever been as confident I think the only thing I can even come close to, to saying is that there were definitely times when Kyle Guy went to shoot that I just reached for my pen because I knew it was going in Hasis Dubois I expected to literally catch every pass and it didn't even matter if the thing was close to him like he had an incredible run and what's crazy about what Haas did is that Joe Reed and Terrell Jana also had really nice seasons like there were times in that Orange Bowl where like it was like they were sort of handing you know, the, the wide receiver controller, so to speak, back and forth, right? Because, like, Haas would catch three or, you know, passes in a row or whatever, and then Jana would have, like, two or three in a row. And then another drive would be Joe Reed, and he'd have a couple in a row. Um, that's going to be a tall order, I think, for Virginia. Not that I don't think they're talented or that I, don't, that I don't think they'll be able to do it, but those guys this year had just a perfect sort of chemistry with their quarterback that I think is, is really 
uh, it's worth mentioning and certainly worth um, kind of um, keeping in mind as this thing goes forward. Sure, the return Jana, we all think Dontavian Wicks is going to be a star. Um, but you know what? Until you see somebody go out and do it, and especially to play at the level that these guys did, is, is going to be hard to do. So I, I definitely want to give them a shout-out because I was so impressed um, with what they did this season, and, and Haas especially. I mean, to go from being the guy who got that you know unsportsmanlike penalty in the spring game um, you know, growing up the way he yeah. did and shout out to Mike Barber for bringing that up. Yeah, right. <laughs> but you know, it's just funny. Like, you know, I will never forget, you know, Joey Blunt and Mandy Alonzo, their first practices Cavaliers. They, they got sent back to the locker room by Michael Kaiser, you know, like the kids, they grow up, man. And it's just been an honor to, to be able to cover these dudes. And, uh, I was certainly, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just fun to watch Haas have the success he has and, and knowing he's probably going to get a chance to do it at the next level. And, the dude has – I've never seen anybody with hands like that kid has. Um, he had zero I, I, dropped catch, catchable balls on a season. That's crazy. That's just – I also I, th- I also think it's really cool that – and this was this is why outside of a win, this the way that the game played out was sort of a best-case scenario for me is that even in the losing effort, they all kind of went out on a high. Yeah, Like I mean, yeah. Perkins, Perkins had a good game, and he had another play that will go down as one of his best plays. Yeah, that – You know, so yeah. it's it wasn't just like a, you know, whatever. Like if that Clemson game had been their last game, that's kind of a bummer way to go out. True. Um, but this was like – they were they put up 28 points. They had a bunch of like crazy plays. In the fourth quarter, they were down two touchdowns or whatever, and we were in the press box like, can you believe how many ridiculous catches this group of receivers makes? Because Jana had one like down the seam to kind of set that last yeah. touchdown up, and it's just like it was cool to see that. Because I mean, you, you, it makes you feel like you know if they can do it against teams like Florida, then it's not just a product of like a weak ACC. You know that these right. guys can play on Sundays. We will no doubt be coming back to to football um, in down the road, obviously, but certainly you know when when basketball affords us the option because. You know, there's a lot to talk about about what the next next team will look like and sort of what needs to happen and some moving pieces, obviously, with the rest of the recruiting class and potential grad transfers and that kind of thing. But we will definitely be back to that. Before we get to basketball, let's take our break. Cavs Corner Podcast brought to you tonight by Second String Sports and Stewart's Draft. Second String Sports has all the 2020 gear from Louisville Slugger, DeMarini, Wilson, Easton, Evo Shield, as well as quality used gear. So if you play baseball, softball, soccer, or football, you can find the gear that you need at Second String Sports. Let's say you have something from last season you aren't using anymore. You can bring it to second string and get a credit towards your next purchase. And if you're looking to purchase a new bat, but you're not sure which one to get, come to second string and they'll let you try out the bats in their demo zone and talk to you about the best bat for your swing. Second string has a uh, large selection of Wilson A2000 and A2 clay gloves and is a Wilson glove of the month retailer as well. You can check out what second string has to offer right now at their website, secondstringsports.com. That's second with a two, or you can check out their uh, storefront there in Waynesboro, 2627 Stewart's Draft Highway. First string quality, first string service, second string sports. Our thanks again to second string for their support of this show and all of CavsCorner.com. All right, so basketball is a thing that still happens. Um, it was so weird to be at a basketball game the other night, um, one, without like basically the entire media horde. Um, but it was so weird to be at a basketball game and like there was just kind of a lull, you know, in the crowd. And like, I mean, not that I'm not throwing shade at the crowd. I mean, like there was just not a whole lot to cheer about at that, at that point. And they showed some football stuff on the on the big screen and everybody got excited. And I was like, man, what a role reversal. Um, you know, like it was not that long ago when, you know, you wanted people to cheer at a football game. You threw Tony Bennett on the screen. Now that's not to say people are upset with him or upset with the team. It's just kind of a, you know, an ebb and flow kind of the way things work. Um, but yes, basketball is still a thing that happens. Virginia going to start its ACC schedule in earnest on Saturday afternoon against the Hokies. 
uh, a team that I understand shoots well, but after that, I mean, question mark, uh, question mark, question mark. I'm not really sure what to make of the ACC in general right now. Maybe that's because I've been in a football bubble for for a few months. Um, maybe that's because the ACC is a is a massive unknown. Um, you guys, I'm guessing, got to watch the Navy game at least, even if you weren't there in person. Um, I, I got to be honest. Like I, I don't know how much I can. I feel like I can grade UVA to this point, in a sense, because I think that Braxton injury changed things for them so dramatically that it it threw their whole equilibrium off, and it kind of made it so that it 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 like moved the needle on where their margin of error was. If he's back and he's playing anything like what he played the other night, I still I don't know if Virginia's a top you know, 10 team, but I don't think they're an unranked team. And I certainly think that they can win, you know, a, a lot of games in ACC play. Ferber, let's start with you. You you have been the most realist. Well, I don't know. We've all kind of been harsh on the basketball team at times this year. As ACC, as the, you know, the bulk of ACC play looms, what are your sort of expectations for UVA? Do you feel any differently now than you did a, a few weeks ago after that, um, that shellacking, that molly whopping they took um, against Purdue. Do you feel any differently now than you did then? And, and what are your sort of general thoughts going into this, uh, in, into the ACC slate? Yeah, I don't really feel any different. Um, I mean, we talked about it when they, they beat Carolina. You know, that was a, a good win for them to get. I don't think Carolina is that good. Um, and that might be the theme of the entire, you know, college basketball landscape, really, if we were going macro level. But, you know, they, they, they beat Stony Brook in a game that was too close. You know, they lose to South Carolina, and, and they trailed Navy in the second half, uh, a bad Navy team. Um, I uh, it, It's hard for me to say that they're going to lose, like, a ton of games because I don't know, like you said, how good these other teams are until we get some more data, right? UVA is 2-0 in ACC play. Uh, I'm pretty sure the two teams they beat are not that good. Um We'll see what happens with Carolina. I feel pretty confident that Syracuse isn't very good. Uh, but And the good news is coming up for UVA, I mean, you got to open up ACC play, you've got Virginia Tech at home, Boston College on the road, Syracuse at home, and then you go to Florida State, that's tough. Then you get Georgia Tech at, on the road, NC State at home. So, you, I mean, you wake at home, or, or actually that's on the road. Um, but, I mean, you almost get into February before you really have a ton of games where you're like, oh, that's a, a likely loss. Um, having said that, they can lose any game on the schedule the rest of the way. Uh, there are no more navies, and and, and I say that with you know full no you know full knowing that navy. I don't think they could have beaten UVA, but like they they had them in the second half in a tight game. It wasn't like UVA rolled. So I, I think and UVA will probably have some have some decent wins where they win by ten plus in ACC play, but I think. For the rest of the season, I don't think UVA fans are going to go into any game feeling like they did a lot of games last year. Where, you know, it's hopefully we blow them out and it's not competitive. Maybe it's closed for a while, but we're going to win no matter what. I don't think UVA fans are going to feel that way very many times going forward. I think any game, including Saturdays against Virginia Tech, is losable. Most of them are still winnable. Um but I, I'm I'm trying to kind of like take the middle road here because I'm not exactly sure how many games they're going to win at this point because 
I do think it's possible, just based on what we've seen through 12 games, that they get into ACC play and they start treading, like they start going like 500 um, through the schedule. So I don't know if that's going to be the case. I could easily see them with that schedule just ran through, kind of racking up a bunch of wins early and then maybe losing some games. But we'll just have to see what happens. But obviously this team is not like the the last five or six that UVA's had. Yeah, I, I... I tend to agree with part of what you said, which is that this team's definitely not the same. <clears throat> I, I don't know about the second. I can't tell you whether Virginia's going to go, you know, be batting 500, right, or going to get blown out most nights or going to win by blowout most nights. Like, I literally have no idea because I don't think this team has come like, you know, a lot of times you, you can watch a team to this point in the year and you can think like, oh, they haven't put their best stuff together, right? Like they've had some moments. I don't think Virginia's had like three good segments offensive oh yeah you yeah I, mean? I, think, like, I think you misunderstood i no, was no, talking no, no. about last year's no, team. no no i know i know i know but what i'm saying is it's like this year's team like i don't know i i don't i still don't know who they are and until i get a sense of what that is i just don't know if i can expect them to be 500 in the league or to be better than that or to be worse than that you know what i mean i'm making sense like it's like they have they have so come they've they are so far away from what i think their potential could be and also yet still like there it's i forget who said it but it's the right thing right the idea is that like the ceiling is like super high but their floor is like super low and they're just gonna i don't think the ceiling's very high but i (laughs) but here's the thing is like all right think about woldatinsa and casey morsell they've shot it better from three the last couple games right now is that a trend i don't know is could it be maybe right if if you if you have if you have you have maybe what four five more shots a game Right, like we talked about, like if Virginia, if Virginia's run, if Virginia's football team had a running game, what could they be? If Virginia's, all, if Virginia's basketball team had any semblance of like just a little bit more punch offensively, now, if you think that Virginia's all of a sudden going to become a good three point shooting team, you're probably setting yourself up for some massive disappointment. Um, but what I'm saying is that like you're only talking about a couple more shots a game from a couple dudes, and that's not maybe over time that seems like a lot, but in the moment. Is that a lot? I, I don't know. I just don't. I don't know who they are, and I, and I'm tripping up on that as we sort of look at them going forward. I, I I don't know if I I agree that their floor is super low. I I don't know if I agree that their ceiling's not that high. I I do think that with with key back, um, and getting a lot of those minutes at the four, that that that's a little bit different. I was interested to see, and Dave, I swear we're going to come to you in a second. Um, I was interested to see that Mommy gets pulled the other night, and Virginia went on a run which I don't think is that's the first time that's happened this season where the best lineup on the, to, to have on the floor at that time was not did not include him. Um, I think for Virginia, to whether it's Tech or whoever, right, for Virginia to be any good, Momedy has to be good. Now, maybe it's better for him to not be, you know, the guy. And we all asked – we talked a lot in the preseason and then the first couple games of the season about, you know, he wanted to be a better leader in this. I we got it's one of, that's leadership is one of those things that it, it, you either do it or you don't right it either happens or it doesn't um and to this point in the season i think it's fair to say that mommy has not been consistent in that regard um he he was all over the place uh against navy and not necessarily in a good way um coincidentally i was talking about dave earlier watching games on dvr i happened to turn on the national championship game um yesterday for a little while and um, watching Mamadi in that game, it was it was kind of striking to me just how different he is now 
Now that's not necessarily always a bad thing, um, but it's he just was such a he, he had a much clearer idea of who he was, and he was much more comfortable in that um, last year. So, Dave, what what's your general sense as uh, the bulk of ACC play begins, and what do you where, where do you where do you kind of stand on this conversation about where the, the Cavaliers are right now? I mean, I think where where I stand is like when you have that random game at Boston College. Um, I can't remember what day of the week that game is, but you know, in the past that was a make sure you got to your chair five minutes before the game started. Um, halfway, you know, you could do something else while you watched them slowly like choke them to death you know, as as the game went on. I don't think we're going to have many of those games moving forward. You um, might wish you were watching. Something yeah, you else might. Or doing yeah, something yeah, you else. might be the one getting choked to death watching it this year. Um, but I mean, I mean, I kind of disagree that we don't know what this team is. I mean, we're a third into the season. Um, I, I think the only reason I, I wouldn't like be a little harder that yeah, we know who they are is because of the Braxton Key injury. Right. Um, but I mean, I think you can you can. We're not what we were last year, and <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Under understatement of the understatement year. Understatement of the year. Right? Um, <laughs> it's only January the second, but understatement like, of the year. Yeah, we, you know we got. Rose, you know, we got, you know, boat raced at Purdue against the team that really wanted to beat us, um, and then also, handled an pretty outlier. easily by us. Purdue what is an outlier in, in terms of strength of schedule at this point. Yeah, yeah. Like um, they, nobody else is in the top forty. Exactly, and South Carolina handled us pretty easily. So, um, I mean, I think what this team is is inconsistent. And hold on, and then and then South Carolina turned around and lost it to Stetson at home. Stetson, yeah, <laughs> right. to a cowboy hat. Um, they, they, I always they, think uh, that too when I think it's yeah, that me too. I, every time. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, I think what this team's going to be all year is inconsistent. Some nights are going to be inconsistently brilliant, and other nights are going to be inconsistently horrible. Um, and I think that's just what we're in. You know, the hope is the next third of the season they they kind of work out the inconsistently bad so that they're more they're more consistently inconsistent, if that makes sense. Um, to limit the extremes. Uh, now, if you couldn't figure that out in the out of you know the largely out of conference schedule, not completely, it's kind of hard to believe you're going to be able to do it in a league that gets you know where you're grinding every night. So yeah, but yeah, I think they're a team when they turn the ball over, they can lose anyone. When they don't, they can beat anyone. Um, and if you think about it, they're they're a team who who relies on no one who they need to rely on the score has ever been the leading scorer. We knew that coming into the season. Um, I mean, I think our hope was that. Marcel and Walden Tensai would come in and, you know, give you, what, eight to ten points a game between them maybe, maybe a little better if they were good. Jay Huff would give, become a double-digit consistent scorer. Mamadi would step his game up. Um, and Braxton Key would. The key's been injured. Mamadi certainly stepped up his scoring. But, like, yeah, I think Brad hit it on the head. Like, he just – it's not just that he doesn't know what his role is. I don't think the team knows what his role is because the, it, it's hard – Against some teams, you can't score in the block, and against other teams, you, like, you know, it's just again inconsistency, which what you need from him based on who he's playing, not only against but who's on the floor with him. Um, I mean, the fact we're third in the season, we haven't quite figured that out. Does it give me a whole lot of hope that we'll be figuring it out in the next few weeks? But you know, we, we've got a really good coach on on the sideline. Um, so <laughs> you, I mean, he's still there. He's not. He hadn't taken the Knicks job. Yeah. What? I mean, I mean, I, I mean, there's so many people have talked about it. I mean, so many guys on Twitter have been talking about it. Like, if you look at the other teams who are shooting the ball like we are, or from three, or who have the turnover rates we do, 
Like we're the only team that has even most of those teams don't even have close to a 500 record. So as long as you can play defense, like you're going to be there. Yeah. Um, it's just, I mean, at some, some of these games, the turnovers are so outrageous. Like Virginia would be better off to dribble to half court and shoot the ball and then come back and play defense. Yeah. <clears throat> Especially when you're an offense that relies so much on being efficient. Right. <laughs> like, exactly. They're supposed to value every possession because there aren't as many. I mean, they're last in the country in tempo and they turn the ball over on like 20% of their possessions or something. Yeah. I, I do think it was also they, they sped up and got into their offense quicker against Navy. Yeah. That, and and not, Tony that said that, that after the game that they, that basically they not necessarily, they want to run, but they definitely want to get into their stuff a little sooner. Because yeah. Why, it, look, why leave eight seconds on the field? It's court like Ferber and I talked about the other day when you're, when your point guard is not someone who can just go get his own shot, right? Like you're not, you, you know, you're not going to dribble down the clock, clear out and let Kihei Clark go cook. Right. Like, the kid plays hard, and he is uh, every bit, um, you know, the heart and soul of that defense, right? He, he's gonna, he's gonna have to play well for them to to have any success this year. But he's just that's not who he is, right? He's a he does a distribute first point guard. When you don't have a guy who can just go get his own bucket, like your offense is gonna su- is, is gonna suffer from that. And yeah, your Virginia's whole idea is built on efficiency. And, and I, I've I've said from you know the jump, like either you can shoot poorly or you can turn it over, but you can't do both. And you look at like Kim Palm right now. Like Virginia's number one in the nation in um, adjusted defensive efficiency. They're 173rd in offensive efficiency. Right. Right. And that was that's with having and that's a baked in ranking where they were started the season like eighth or whatever and, and had to in, work their way down. And like listen to some of the numbers of the teams they played: 248, 233, 185, 343. Right, a main team that at one point did have a lead on them, I think. Uh, 155, 101, and 236. That 236 also had a lead on them in the second half, right? Yeah, and you're not going to run into any more of those teams. I mean, like Boston College is 144. Yeah, they're 143. That's pretty much it. They're, you know, you're going to get Georgia Tech at 95, Wake Forest at 94, Clemson at 99, right? So you're going to get a handful of teams that are, yeah. you know, in that You're going to get more South level. Carolinas. But you're going to, right, exactly. South Carolina's 101, right? Vermont is 77. That, uh, that Purdue team currently right now is at 12. Um, it, it's just it, it's just one of those things where there's so much good defensively that offensively they don't have to do a lot. But the problem is, is that like having like expecting them to consistently do more right now seems like a fool's errand. And that's the thing that kind of has well, to here, be fixed. Here's a question. No, oh, no. To go the other way, UVA hasn't played very many good teams. What happens if their defense isn't quite as good against better well, teams? But I, you know, it's funny that you say that because I actually was thinking about that today. I was uh, in the car and I was thinking about it. I, I, my my thought process on this is like this. I kind of feel like Virginia's going to struggle against teams that play like Virginia plays, right? So teams with any sort of discipline offensively, teams that want to muddy the lane, they want to go zone, whatever, defensively, and heaven forbid they can press, right? I, I, I completely agree that there's a very real chance that we can get into ACC play and watch the Cavaliers plummet in these rankings because, you know, maybe it's not necessarily that they're going to go up against – you know, top flight teams, but like this Virginia Tech team, for example, they're they're a top fifty offense, right? They they don't turn the ball over that much, um, and they they typically shoot it really really well. They're top fifteen nationally in three point percentage, being a part of their their offense. Yeah, so they like never turn the ball. over. They don't turn the ball over. They hit threes. Like that's an offense that's going to put a lot of pressure on Virginia, 
in ways that in past years probably it didn't it didn't kind of extrapolate out the same, right? And you look around the league. Now, granted, Carolina is a team that typically is pretty talented offensively, but this Carolina team, the one that Virginia beat and only scored forty seven points, right? Um, they're currently seventy third in adjusted offensive efficiency. Right, their defense is thirty seventh. How many times have we ever talked about Carolina and their defense was thirty spots ahead of their offense? That's nuts, right? And yet that's kind of the situation Virginia's in right now, which is that you know up could be down in the league this year. You know we know Duke, we know Louisville. Outside of them, you're going to have to night in and night out go against teams that are going to be mediocre, and that's the kind of thing that Virginia has not done a good job of this year. Like you know Stony Brook, you know I still think South Carolina's mediocre. Navy. Maybe let's give Purdue their 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 just and say okay they're good. I mean, there's a real chance to Ferber's point that Virginia can get in the off ACC play and the defense falls off the table. And there's also the very real chance that you get in the ACC play, and that's that's what they lean on and that's just who they are. Uh, I do think though that there's a very real chance and probably a likelihood that the more these dudes play together, the better they'll be. Um, I genuinely do yeah. think that the key thing really did mess them up. Um, and I'm not sure to what degree, and we won't know that probably until, what, like February uh, or so, like when they go to Louisville. Um, maybe we'll have a better idea then. But realistically, like anything is possible with this team other than like they're going to become run and gun. Like that's the only thing that's probably off the table. Yeah, my, my one you know other concern with this team, I was going to say my one concern, I've got multiple. Um, one other is that, that defensive lockdown we saw the first several games of the season to me, like I'm watching the way teams attack us now. I'm wondering if teams were playing us, assuming our defense was better than it really is. Hmm. And now, now they're, you know, Navy did not look scared of our, you know, Navy obviously a slow tempo team. I was willing to work it, but Navy didn't look scared of our defense. Um, South Carolina didn't look scared of our defense. Purdue is different. That was, that was a vengeance game. So I tried to, but yeah, I feel like some of our initial I'm, – I'm fearful that some of our initial defensive success was based on reputation and not the team. And we will definitely figure that out the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, like, if you can get the defenders – and this is easier said than done – in one-on-one situations, UVA, this is not a very athletic UVA team compared to others. So, point. I mean, like, you can break down Cody Statman on, off the dribble. Like, so, not, nothing against Cody Statman, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, no, like, that's a good point. He's not uh, DeAndre Hunter, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, real quick on tech, because uh, Ferber hasn't sent me the preview yet, so I, I don't know what I'm supposed to think. Um, <laughs> that sounds bad, but it's just genuinely true. That I, I think I, you nailed it pretty I, much. <laughs> but like, if you look at tech, so 43rd nationally uh, in adjusted offense, 85th in defense. Um, Tempo-wise, one of the slower uh, teams in the country as well. Um like I said, they don't turn it over much. They shoot a high percentage of their their, their points from threes. Um, their schedule not exactly a whole lot to, to bang home about. They've got one, two, three, four games, four wins at least, over over teams that are above 300 in, in Kempom. And then another at 291 in VMI and a 263 in Lehigh. Um, I mean, they do have one really good one. They got one good win against Michigan State, and then they lost three in a row to Dayton, BYU, and Duke. Um Right, you know where they There's get, two top twenty teams and yeah, yeah. no, no, <laughs> maybe I'm, three, right? No, no, I'm not. I'm just saying, like at this point, you look at tech schedule. Essentially, they won one game that they weren't supposed to win, and then everything else is chalk, right? Like, I mean, what other game was you know 
was it? I mean, what you think? Clem, you know what I'm saying? Like Clemson in yeah. the opener, like everything else. Like they they beat a bunch of bad teams in Michigan State, and they lost the three games against good teams. Um, and I mean, heck, you could probably argue the BYU is, not, you know, it was a neutral floor, but it's, you know, it's they're 36. You know, Tech currently sitting at. Um, yeah, that was a weird. Game. That was like the night after they played Dayton, and it was like 11:30 yeah. Eastern or something. Those games are um, kind of hard to judge because. Yeah. I mean, not saying that because it goes the other way too. If they won, it's the same principle, right? I mean, I, the Michigan State you, one's probably the easiest one to judge because it was the first game. But yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I'll tell you, I think Virginia Virginia Tech's way better than I thought they'd be. I'll give them that much. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I wasn't a big Mike Young fan just because of his, you know, what what you're replacing. Um, and I, I thought Tech needed a short term answer. You know, even if he was a raw raw guy, just to keep the fan base interested in the program. But I mean, they probably made. Looks like they made a really good hire. So. Yeah, I mean, the guy knows basketball. The question is going to be whether or not he's got enough talent to sort of last. Now they they haven't. You know, they've recruited at a decent level, and he did a good job of talking some of those guys to come in back. Um, but you know, I mean, yeah, like Landers Nolly's the real deal. He's pre- he's good. really good. Um, my guess is there's a less there, there's a greater than zero chance that he's not at Tech next year. Um, not because I think he's, you know, I, because I heard something or whatever, not, and not necessarily because I think he's going to jump to the NBA. He just seems like the kind of dude, like that he, he's exactly the kind of guy who hits the transfer market and people are like, Oh, Oh, he's available. Um, I think he's a good NBA looks. I mean, he, I, I'm sure he will. I mean, what is he? Six, seven two twenty five ish. Now granted he's, a yeah, red he's averaging freshman. what? 23 a game or something. Um, well also I think, I mean, and, and I'm not trying to speak for other people, but I think, you're right, Dave. A lot, pretty much everybody, myself included, thought they'd be pretty bad this year. Yeah. Um, I actually really liked the hire, and I thought that it would be a good long-term fit. But I thought they'd have a year or two where it might not be, you know, what they're used to. I think people forgot about him in the calculus, right? I think because he Landers was he was ineligible yeah. last year, and I think people kind of forgot that they had him on the roster, well, he was and they were just kind of looking at what, he yeah, and they were just kind of looking at what was there, yeah. Yeah, he's good. I think stopping him's a key Saturday. And like, I like I'm I'm fully expecting a dogfight. And like, I mean, if I had to put money on it, Virginia would have to be a slight, very small favorite for me to bet them. Um, Currently, just because Tech can hit three so well, and we've seen, we know what happens. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to hit a lot of them to to make it hard for Virginia to keep up. Currently, Kim Palm has it as a 57-51 Virginia win with a 71% chance of victory for the Cavaliers. Um, I tell you what, that's the place. The, if you look at Kim Palm and you look at like the probabilities and, and kind of predictions, that's the place where it's so different. Right now, Virginia has – he's got them losing uh, at Florida State. He's got them losing at Louisville. He's got them losing at Carolina um, by two. He's got them losing at Tech by one. He's got them losing at Duke by only four, which – Kind of blows my mind. And he's got him losing to Louisville at home to close the season. I mean, there were definitely times the last two years where y- you would look a long time to find a loss. You know? Well, you see the projected record at the bottom. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm getting at. Like if they if they end up in that range, I wouldn't be that surprised. He has them at twenty and ten. Um, also, another thing I was just noticing looking at Ken Palm, um, Dave. I, I guess you probably don't have it pulled up. How many times the rest of the way? They have what sixteen games left. Do you do you think he has them scoring sixty points or more? Eighteen games left. Right. Eighteen games. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How many do you think he has them scoring sixty or more? Uh, BC, Georgia Tech, Wake Forest, uh, three. 
Four. 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 Yeah. Well, you <laughs> Four. Ask, what do you ask a question like that? I'm not going to say 10. <laughs> yeah. Push 60 points, which is a very, very low threshold. Yeah. I mean, Kim Palm tends to get more accurate as the year goes on, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean and, and you, you were talking about like that Duke, the percentages being off. Yeah. Part of it is like when your defense is that good. Like, it's just yeah, it's that good. when you throw it in the computer, it's going to give you like a, a good chance. Right. My, my goal for this basketball season is to be a better fan. Um. <laughs> <laughs> if I didn't already have a title picked out for this episode, that would be be a better fan. That's great. Yeah. Um, didn't I you mean, go through honestly, this in football this games too, though? It reminds me of like, I used to bust on Duke people, like, you know, Duke and Carolina fans, because it seemed like the only thing, it, it wasn't a good season if they didn't win the ACC tournament or, or make a run to the Final Four. Like, I don't want to be that guy because not long ago, we weren't those guys. Um, and trust well, me, when you're you not know, making it's, any... it's going to be better next year. Like, yeah. It has yeah, to be. Yeah, it so should, it's, um, it's kind of like, it's not one of those things where it's got to, it's, it's kind of hard for me to get too, like, worked up about it. Yeah. And Which for makes me, like, me less passionate, honestly. Like, I, I'm it, it just like, does. oh, this is a gap year. I want yeah. this team to look like they're having more fun so I can have more fun watching them. Because they do, yeah. don't they look a little miserable at times out there? Or maybe maybe, maybe what you need, and this doesn't sound great, but maybe you need them to take a few losses and then spoil for teams. Kind of like how some of these Duke teams yeah. did, where yeah, they were yeah. good, but like they would, they'd lose like three or four games in the league, and then they'd beat like an undefeated UVA team or something. And it's like, all right, now you know, they're still, they can still do it. But yeah, I feel the same way. It's hard for me to get like too like fired up about it because you just for one it's like i talked about this a few weeks like probably a month ago the brand of basketball this year is just hard to watch like i i just don't enjoy watching it um but and i and i have no problem with deliberate deliberate play i just don't like missed shots and turnovers um yeah. and no, who does right but i mean that's kind of what i'm saying is like there it's just this gap year in between and, and you want to make the most out of it and they're, they're probably a tournament team and all that, which is something that we shouldn't take for granted because it wasn't that long ago that that was like a really tough ask for them to even get in. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it is what it is. I mean, I think we all kind of know what we're looking at. It's just kind of tough to, you know, it, after you, after you've had the success that they've had, you kind of have to get used to knowing that it's not always going to be like that every year. Right. Yeah. I mean, you I look at Florida, they won back-to-back national championships, and they've been decent. They've had one seed since. I think they've been to the Final Four. Um, but they've had their struggles, too. They've missed the tournament altogether, you know, so. Yeah. We should put a, like, we, we should put a little asterisk next to this podcast so when we're talking about our Sweet 16 birth later in the season and or the Elite Eight, we'd be like, remember when we thought we weren't going to figure it out? Um, no, it's well, just they, if, like I'm well, trying to enjoy. A, that's the, the season, thing, though, is at this point I feel pretty confident. I mean, I've always said that in a tournament you can't really say what's going to happen because it comes down to matchups and weird stuff happens. But I feel pretty confident in what I'm seeing. Like I think I know where they are. Part of that is because they have played a lot of mediocre to bad teams and they haven't flashed one time on offense. Like they haven't had one game where they like scored 75 points. Um, yeah. And you would think that that would happen once or twice. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, for this team to make a run, Braxton Key has to come back fully healthy. And whether it's Marcel or Walter Tensai or even Jay Huff, one of them has to make a decent. Somebody has to be leap. something that they have never been. Yeah. Yeah. And the next two thirds of the season. I mean, it's true. Even Braxton Key, like, he's never been like a primary scorer here. Yeah. 
I mean, if we can see a little bit of what we saw in that second half against Navy from him, that more aggressive attitude, um, like that would go a long way because I think that's one thing. Like Kihei can't be the only one who's super aggressive. Um, yeah. So, and yeah, I will say, Ki- to Kihei, I mean, look, he was turning the ball over. Those two games were just nuts. And then he did a really nice job against yeah, Navy. I think that was more of an aberration, yeah. trying to do too much. Yeah, and he admitted it. You know, he said that after the game. Um, I think that's a good place to put a pin in it. Um, we uh, we obviously will be talking a lot of basketball going forward uh, as the Cavaliers get into their ACC slate. If you are someone who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it is that you get your shows. If you don't mind, give us a uh, rating review. always helps to get us out in front of more people. If you're somebody who has found the pod but has not given us a look at the website, check us out, CavsCorner.com. Right now you can check out, let's see, I got video from Miami Gardens with Terrell Jana talking about his big game and the impact of um, Bryce Perkins on this season. Um, and then also I got some with Eli Hamback talking about the loss, but actually, you know, he's a lifelong who and uh, talking about playing uh, his final game um, as a Cavalier, um, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, Ferber's got his take two on the site as well. Uh, I had a column on 2019, um, which kind of bounced around in time. So give that a look. Um, the year of the Wahoo, um, as we've been calling it. Uh, as you listen to this, uh, we'll have the tech preview up for you later today, and then we'll be in Charlottesville as we switch gears fully to uh, hoops going forward. Uh, remember, hit that Fanatics link if you need anything. I know Christmas is, is over, but maybe you've got some, uh, some cash um, that you want to you wanna spend. Uh, feel free uh, hit that link. Anything that you buy, whether UVA or otherwise, um, goes to support the, the, sh- the podcast, the show. Goes to support the podcast and, and, the, and the website and all that fun stuff, and we very much appreciate that. Lastly, I want to again thank Thorium Wealth and Second String Sports for their support. You can visit Thorium Wealth online, thoriumwealth.com, T-H-O-R-I-U-M. And you can also check out Second String Sports, second with a two. And if you're so inclined, you can click the links uh, in your podcast habit choice, which, you know, coincidentally enough, do work now. Um, Again, I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. I want to thank Dave and Ferber for giving graciously of all of their time in 2019 and more of it to come in 2020. I very much appreciate it. For David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.